Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Georgia Toffolo, who's known as Toff, is the author of Meet Me in London. She is a UK-based broadcaster and TV personality who has been a firm favorite with the public since her TV debut on Made in Chelsea. She won over the hearts of viewers on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Georgia resides in London with her beloved dog, Monty. Meet Me in London is her first novel, and we also discussed the subsequent novels in the series. Welcome, Toff. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss all of your books, Meet Me in London, your whole Meet Me In series, always smiling, all your stuff. I can't wait to discuss. So welcome. Darling, thank you for having me. It's a total joy. I've been all excited. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Everything sounds so great in your accent. You have like the best voice ever. Just 
you know. <laughs> I'm like a parody of myself, aren't I? <laughs> no, you are not. Okay, so since a lot of people who listen to this podcast are based in the U.S., although people listen from all over and might not be familiar with your superstardom in the U.K. and everything like that, tell us a little bit about how you got discovered, your TV stuff, and how, in addition, you became this fabulous writer. I mean, this is like, really, this too? So anyway... Give us a little background okay. where you like and start from the beginning. Where did you grow up? Like the okay. whole thing. Okay, so I'll start right at the beginning. So it's a, it's quite a nice story actually. So I I grew up in Devon in the southwest of the UK, which is so beautiful and been a huge inspiration for my new book, I might add. So I grew up there, kind of small town, seaside vibes, and I just had this obsession with living in London. So when I was 18, loads of my friends went off traveling and I said to my parents, I'm not doing that. I'm moving to London. And they said, that's absolutely fine. As long as you go to university, because I'd, I'd very, I mean, I couldn't believe that I pulled it off, but I had a place confirmed at Bristol University to study law because I wanted to be a barrister. Anyway, off I trot up to London, happy as can be. And I really wanted to get a job because obviously you've got to do that on your gap here. And someone said to me, would you like to be an extra on a TV show? And now the TV show is quite famous in the UK. It's called Made in Chelsea. And I said, well, how much? And they said, well, it's 50 quid a day. So I was doing the maths and I thought, well, that'll do. You know, that'll pay for my beer money <laughs> and a new dress every weekend. So anyway, so off <laughs> I went to filming. And because obviously I was 18 and quite sprightly, I'd been going out quite a lot in Chelsea, in southwest London. And I turned up to filming and the boys started shouting at me, the sort of main famous characters, like, oh, that tough girl, we know her. She's always dancing on the tables, whatever. And lo and behold, I then sort of formed and moved into a sort of main character on this show. And the September rolled around and my parents said, well, what are you going to do? You're obviously going off to university. You're going to be a big, successful barrister. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to carry on doing telly. And they, they nearly died. And I said, don't worry, it'll all work out well. Here I am now, I'm 27. Uh, fast forward nine years, which is insane. I um, I went on to do one of the, well, it's the second biggest show in the UK called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And I ended up winning where you live in a rainforest in Australia for a month. And that, if I'm being really honest with you, sort of catapulted my career. And I was allowed to do what I want to do. And writing has always been my number one. And that's sort of how my, my books came about. In short. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a story. That's amazing. Okay. So then the books. So you went to the rainforest. You come back. You're like, now I can finally do the books. Forget about the barrister path. That's over and done with. And then what happened? You just sat down and you said, this is the book I want to write. I mean, this is like very clever and funny. And maybe tell everybody about what Meet Me in London, the first one is about, because now you've had, you have this whole series around it. Right. So it was my first venture into romantic fiction. Yeah. And quite honestly, I was really nervous. And I think if you're slightly in the public eye and you delve into the world of writing, you know, it, it's got to be good because if not, people will crucify you and it can't kind of slip under the radar. So I want to just tell you quite briefly how it all started, particularly the Meet Me In series. I went to support, I've always tried to really support any author. And I got invited to go to this book launch and I was standing there and someone said to me, that lady over there is really high up at Mills and Boone. Now, you know, I've been obsessed and have read Mills and Boone novels since, you know, well, when I was allowed to, because some of them can be a little bit naughty. Um, <laughs> and, and I accosted this wonderful lady called Lisa and I just said, for the first time in my life, I was just completely unapologetically ambitious. I said, I think I'd be really good writing for you. And she was sort of like, who on earth is this girl? And I said, I've written a little bit 
it, I'd like to show you. And that was how it started. But the reason why I was pretty strong with my publishers that my first book had to be based in London and in particularly Southwest London, because you know how it is. When you first start writing, I needed a little bit of relatability in there because not only did it sort of massage my confidence because I knew I was writing on authority about something, it was also the familiarity of it. And, you know, my first book, you'll probably think the same, but your first book is just so incredibly special. But Meet Me in London has this amazing connection to me because it's where not only I've sort of set up my home, not where I grew up, but also it's given me so much of my life, this area. I mean, I mentioned the show that I was sort of made famous for. It's called Made in Chelsea. And my book is set in Chelsea. In London. <laughs> you know, it's just so special and wonderful. And, you know, I give it to everyone who ever thinks about visiting London and even people who live in Chelsea. I say to them, you know, go and read my book and tell me whether you can see my inspirations for lots of things, because I do just find it the most enchanting place. Wow. So what was the, what was the, the big store? Like what, is there an actual store that displaced a lot of the locals or was that fictitious? No, there really is. I probably shouldn't even admit this, but um, so I've just moved house and I'm really close to it. So it's called Peter Jones, but in the UK, we seem to have an obsession with John Lewis's. So do you know what John Lewis is? No. <laughs> oh no. My lovely assistant thinks I'm totally mad because every day these packages arrive from John Lewis. So it's all these like, it's like really nice homeware bits. Anything that you could ever want is in John Lewis, but it's not too expensive. It's not crazy, crazy money. So Peter Jones, the shop that I based my department store on, is just off Stone Square and it's the number one store for John Lewis in the UK. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, now I have like all new shopping things to do when we get off this Zoom. I'm like, Joan, it's a dirty obsession. Don't start. (laughs) And what about like, what about even the bar that you have your characters meet in? Oh, yeah. So I changed that a little bit. So when I first moved to London, I said that I was doing a lot of dancing on tables. It was this iconic nightclub on the King's Road called the 151 Club. And it hadn't had a refit since the 80s when I first started going there. And because of COVID, it obviously closed down. And I know the owner now because I've been going there so long. And I said, it's a complete travesty. And he was like, Georgia, it the place needed a lick of planes. It needed a proper clean. But um, I wanted it to be, I think the bar in Meet Me in London, I made it a little bit different. But what the 151 Club and the inspiration for that was for me, it was our hub. So I would go out, you know, on my own. And I know that everyone will be at the club. And, you know, amazing things happen there for me. And, you know, you walk in and it's got the world's worst music and your feet stick to the carpet and everything's always broken. You know, but I love that juxtaposition because where I seem to have settled, everything is very polished in Chelsea and everything's super expensive. And, you know, all the women are sort of dripping in diamonds, all this stereotypical stuff. And I loved the respite that the 151 Club, and it's really dark and dingy. It's sort of like the bar that Victoria works in. But it was really important that I got some of these special places in because, of course, as I carried on throughout my series and my other books, we ended up traveling all around the world. So I wanted to make the most of being on home turf if that makes sense yes okay so did you go to all the tell me okay so tell me now about all the other books did you go to all the places like yeah, how did, how did no. that come about yeah so it was pre-decided pre-pandemic so I with my series it was really important to both me and my editor that the books were be able to be enjoyed in order but also if you picked up one in a charity shop in five years it doesn't matter whether it's book four or book two or book one they all needed to make sense so when we were plotting of course we had no idea what the mrs coronavirus was 
So, of course, I was saying it would be fabulous. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. I've always wanted to go to, he- to Tahiti. Let's do those two. And I hoped at the time that it would really cut my teeth writing fiction because, you know, I didn't know what the island smelt like or looked like and all these things. I was really excited to sort of get stuck in. And then, of course, um, it all happened and I couldn't. So Google Maps became my best friend. And I mean, the amount of TripAdvisor abuse that... <laughs> me and my co-author read because I just think, you know, when you've got people like agents on the ground writing really honestly, that's also the only way that we've got the book saved the line. But can you imagine how wonderful it will be for me when I finally get there? It will be amazing. <laughs> I hope you it film will be it. Amazing. I want to watch you go there. I want you that to like moment. do a show about it or something. I know. I totally agree. And then what I've done, because my series is a series of four, So my fourth book, which is insane, which is called Meet Me at the Wedding, is coming out in April. I wanted, because you know, because you've read it, but my books are about four young girlies and each book really hones in on the story of each of my four main heroines. And I really wanted the last book to be back where it all started, in Devon, where I'm from. So yeah, it's a wonderful thing that Victoria and Oliver from Meet Me in London end up having their wedding back in Devon in the last Aww. book. And I know it's just so incredibly special. So again, I was back on home ground. So I sort of started off my first book very much in my home now in London, we went off traveling the world for the second two and then ended up, we call it back, we call it here. I don't know whether you do this out where you live, but um, we call it home home, you know, where you were born. <laughs> Everyone gets it. I'm going home home this weekend. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Okay. So that series comes full circle, which is fantastic. And I'll be looking forward to that book coming out too. <laughs> Will this whole thing be a movie? Is that in the works? God, I would hope so. I mean, it's every writer's dream, right? To see it, particularly for someone like me, who's who lives and breathes television. I am incredibly biased, of course, but I think in particular, Meet Me in London would lend itself to the most enchanting Christmas movie. But, you know, who knows whether it will happen. I know that it's being explored, but you don't want okay. to sound like a right Wally and be like, oh, yeah, it's going to get turned into a film when it, the probability of that happening is probably like 0.1%. But one can dream, right? Let's, I'll dream with you. I think it would be very charming. <laughs> you know, there's something very, you know, Hugh Grant about it, right? I, I don't know. It's like one of those nodding, right? one of those perfect UK-based Romantic comedies. I would be a liar if I didn't say that there was a bit of sort of Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, knocking yeah. around Oliver Colin Firth. Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know. <laughs> so you could have, you type, could have like Bridget way. Jones make a cameo as an extra or something like that. Wouldn't that be funny? You just oh, said. Darling, it would be the culmination of all of my dreams into one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. And then when did you write Always Smiling? Always Smiling was as soon as I did that jungle rainforest show. Okay, so it was before. That book, I mean, Jesus, it was intense. That was written in six weeks. And it's not to say that it's not like, you know, my finest work, but I think looking back, you could tell that it was rushed. And there are certain things that were missed. And I wonder whether I... I say this sensitively. I think it's a bit premature to write a sort of autobiography. I wish that maybe I'd have held off a couple of years because I've learned so much and so much has happened since then. But at the same time, there was a definite appetite for it in the UK. And I wanted it to be, I mean, you've got it, so you know, but it, it's not autobiographical in the sense that it's a chronological write-up of my life. It's more life lessons, which I'm really proud of. And lots of people said when I was in the jungle, we call it the jungle here, that they loved my positivity. So I wanted it to be kind of like a guide to always smiling. (laughs) What an apt title. (laughs) Well, you know, I actually started my own publishing company and we do memoir and fiction. If you happen to want to write another memoir, I'm sure you already have major contracts. But if you want to talk about that, I would love it. It would be so fun. (laughs) I would love nothing more. But then sometimes I think to myself, I'm not done yet. Yes. <laughs> it's like, God, can I do another one and then another one and then another one? I want to cram there are people, more. their whole careers are writing different memoirs about different things. You know, you can do different topics. Well, anyway, anyway, all to say I'm excited for whatever comes next. <laughs> what other, so you're, this series is just about done. So you've written and it's coming out. What are you doing more writing after this? What's the plan? Yeah, I really hope so. I think next time I really fancy writing a trilogy. So that's sort of, it's been a lot with four books and I really get excited about there being an initial starting point, a big crescendo and then tying everything up at the end. So I'm really leaning towards a series of three next time. What that might be, I have all these crazy ideas and my poor editor's like, Georgia, that's just not going to work. So I know that I want to carry on writing romantic fiction. However, to throw in a bit of a curveball, my team are always like, oh, why can't you just sort of have a day off? I really want to write a murder mystery, Mm. but politically themed in Westminster, which is quite niche. And I want loads of sex in it too. So, (laughs) I mean, I, I just have this thing and I have to, you know, when you feel like you've got that type of book inside of you, I need to write it. And even if no one bloody reads it, I feel like people should. 
So that's my strange sideline hobby idea. And I haven't quite nailed down what I feel a bit, to be really honest, I feel a bit bereft. Like these four girls have been my life for quite a long time now. And the thought of writing anything without them. And even, you know, over the past few days, I've been recording the audiobook version for my last book. And I just feel quite strongly that these girls, whilst their stories have all come to a bit of an end, I feel like there is legs for more. And I'm not quite ready to part from them. But it might just be time. And I think maybe sometimes you need to leave on a high. But you just get so invested in your characters, right? And it's hard to just leave them when well, so many at, of them are at the beginning. I mean, look at Sex in the City making a comeback after all this time. Right? I mean, these maybe I give on. them a bit of a break and yeah. then come back. I don't yeah. know. I'm just not done with those four girls yet. I know that. All right. Interesting. Very cool. So has London, London hasn't gotten back to a place where you can start dancing on tables again, right? Oh yeah, it, it has. has. It has? Oh darling, I can't believe it. We've been in pretty much normality since we had this like freedom day last summer where the prime minister made quite a big call to just open up everything. There was a bit of a wobble before Christmas with Omicron or however you say it, but no, we are completely normal I mean life couldn't be more normal here which I'm personally really happy about because I think for young people it was all quite hard wasn't it but yeah no dancing on tables galore nightclubs been open for months I'm even exhausted from going to nightclubs I don't want to go anymore I've been too much oh my gosh and I'm like oh I don't know should we just have lunch here (laughs) I know I just can't believe how fortunate we've been I yeah it's been really quite amazing yeah That's great. Oh my gosh. Okay. What advice would you have for an aspiring author? I think, I wish I'd have said this to myself years ago, is just write. Even if you think it's gobbledygook, I'm telling you, if you've got the passion and you're putting pen to paper, it won't be a, a job lost of rubbish. Like I know that there'll be something brilliant in there. And I think write about anything. I think the way, the way that I got into romantic fiction was solely because I adored reading romantic fiction. So never pigeonhole yourself. Never be like, oh God, if you're quite into, I don't know, politics, for example, don't think that you have to write about politics. Do it, start with something that you really, really love. And I think the rest will fall into place. Do you love like Sophie Kinsella? Who are some of your favorites? Love. Sophie yeah. Kinsella. I mean, how on earth could you not? So I grew up reading Jilly Cooper. Do you know Jilly Cooper? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I adore her. And for me, that sort of you know, quite British. There's always a bit of a Colin Firth, Hugh Grant character, Rupert Campbell Black. You know, that was what I really, really adored reading growing up. Um, and I also, I do love a murder mystery. I've got quite into that sort of locked room. What's what I'm looking for? Well, it's called locked room murders. Is that it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm trying to say is when you know that someone in the house did it. Okay. I think like they're called locked room. Locked they room might. mysteries, that's what they're called. Okay. Yeah. So you know that someone's done it on the premises. I love all of that type of stuff. Very cool. Amazing. What are you reading now? Anything? I am reading, very strangely, I'm reading a cookbook, but it is the most joyous, exquisite cookbook I have ever, ever ever read or held I don't even know whether it should be described as a book but in my opinion quite strongly it should be and it's called Midnight Chicken by a girl called Ella Risbridger and it basically documents the way that she tackled her depression and it all started one night where she was sat on the floor of her kitchen 
desperately sad and not seeing any light at the end of the tunnel. And she sees this chicken on the side and thought, well, that's methodical. Maybe that will take my mind off it. And the way that she writes about food and her emotions, and I feel quite strongly that the connection between food and our emotions is a thing that should be spoken about more. It's a really special book. And I love it too, that she's quite a young girly. You know, and I think that's quite special. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't read, I can't wait to read that now. That sounds amazing. I've yes, spent it's a, really a lot of time one. on the kitchen floor or various bathroom floors, you know, in a state of. <laughs> right, we've all been yes. there. And what I found quite extraordinary is that I can't cook at all. I mean, I can just about do scrambled eggs. So, you know, for someone like me to be enjoying the cookbook that much, it must be quite special. All right. Well, thank you for the recommendation. Tov, this has been so much fun. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Congrats on your new home and your books. Oh. And I can't wait to hear about the wedding. And I really want to watch this whole thing on the screen. So I'm rooting for you. Yeah, this oh. has been so, you're so charming and, and oh. so great. I, it's great. Congratulations on everything. Darling, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. You too. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, darling. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 